Welcome to For the Love of God podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! Oh, all right. Jason's got a new toy. Oh, yeah. He's, all those lights over there is like he's reclaiming the rainbow for Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, welcome to the love of God. For the Love of God podcast, this is Jason Lomrick, your host, and here, as always, I'm here with Rick Rieger and Nathan Jewell. Hello, hello. Hello. Greetings. How are you guys? Doing good, except for the blindness from all the lights now off this new board. It's like, <laughs> if we if we get a disco ball in here, that would be awesome. I'm, I'm telling you right now. It would certainly work with the, the, with the design he's got going on here. Right. Well, we've got all colors of the spectrum here. It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, so you said disco. <laughs> I'm not even. Listeners, I just wish you could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on? The man, man has buttons to play with. Now, people. Lots of, Be afraid. Be lots very of afraid. Buttons. Wow. <laughs> so it looks like the podcast is growing now, uh, and as it grows in numbers, it's also growing in equipment. And uh, Jason has this really cool new board that he's playing with today. So, you know, you just it's just hard to say what's going to happen. Hard to say. It is I, hard to say. We're all going to be amazed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I just wish you all could see it. It is. It's very pretty. It is pretty. <laughs> At first, I uh, when I first saw it on on YouTube, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like all the colors, but up close and personal, man, it's pretty fly. You know, I'm feeling the, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling the spirit. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise name. <laughs> Oh Lordy! And this uh, this first segment tonight is called Jason's Buttons. <laughs> He's gonna play, and we're gonna listen. Don't so, push his buttons. Don't push my buttons. <laughs> so, how was your week? Oh man, it's been amazing so far, and it's only Tuesday. Oh, yesterday was just so amazing. It it started out kind of, you know, I didn't want to get up out of bed, kind of thing, because uh, I had to do some kind of big things that I don't like to do. And there was a few hurdles that I knew I was up against. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, every week I tell people to pray about these things and worry about nothing, pray about everything. You got to suck it up and do this, Pastor Rick. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to give these things to you and you're going to handle it. And I know this is going to be a good day. And you know what? It ended up being one of the best days I've had in a long time. And I really just felt God in all of it. It was amazing. Even some miraculous things happened. You know, for example, we were praying about, um, you know, we we have to pay a little in our taxes now because of just we took in some extra income doing a little side job, doing a cleaning, at, you know, for the company that I work for on the weekends. And they don't pay taxes on that. It's just all on a 1099. And so for the last couple of years, we've really been hit pretty hard. And I just can't seem to prepare and plan for it, right? 
So I'm praying, you know, okay, God, don't let these, and I did my taxes course at the last possible minute and took a day off to do it, mind you. And so I'm rolling this stuff in. And not only did was, were the taxes $1,500 less than I had anticipated, but in addition, my wife gets the mail comes in and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I was praying about this and literally my prayer was answered. I said, what? She said, well, I had submitted a claim for the accident that I had on my leg. And, you know, we had paid like, you know, several, a couple thousand bucks for, you know, healing and all that, you know, doctors, medical bills, whatever. And she submitted a claim and they denied it. And they sent her a check anyway. (laughs) So apparently they reversed it. She had just sent a letter out trying to reverse it like a couple days before that, but it wasn't even enough time for the letter to get there. So like we were up 3000 bucks just by, you know, mail truck time, whatever that is about two in the afternoon. And I got everything done. It was incredible. I had just purchased a new uh, surface and I was working on it. And apparently the, the camera decided not to work after I got it set up. So I thought it was toast. And while I'm doing taxes, I did a one last ditch effort doing a reset. Everything came right up. It was totally cool. So yeah. I mean, you know, it's amazing if you just give it to God. Amazing things will happen. Amen. And you, sir. you well, uh, I'm actually very, very thankful to be here. Uh-huh. And uh, I got to tell you that God is with you even in the tough times. Did um, you see a spider this morning, too? I did not. Oh. But uh, I was telling the guys here a little bit ago, so they're, they're kind of ribbing at me right now. Um, <laughs> I experienced my first, uh, one of my adult firsts. I, I actually fell today while getting ready for work in the bathtub and, uh, amazing. Oh dear God. <laughs> you are not going to, oh, oh, my story that is, is definitely, done. that is definitely an <laughs> I fell in the shower sort of song right my there. My story is done. No, that's your, so you fell in the shower and. Rick just ran to your rescue and got you some Advil. But your wife was there. Yeah, my wife was there. Scared uh, heebie-jeebies out of her, I think. But um, yeah, at six foot two, big tree fall hard. (laughs) Yeah. I hope the bathtub's okay. Yeah, you know what? The foundation of the house might have something to say to you, but... Uh, I was actually thinking about that, too. I'm like, yeah, so he's okay, but I wonder how the bathtub weathered, you know? <laughs> yeah, luckily, uh, no no major injuries or anything like that, but uh, that was an extremely close call, so God will even watch out for you in those little moments like that. Mm-hmm. So, and your wife is a physical therapist, so... Yes, she is. You have free treatment heading your way. Is that the only way you can get a massage is when you... Fall in a bathtub? Uh, I Most better likely. not commit because if I say anything wrong, I might not get those free massages, massages anymore. So well, this be won't really... be, this is not going to be aired until after. So I think you're good. Okay, yeah. Well, well, she did say she, she did say she was going to take a look at it just to make sure I didn't have any injuries that are undisclosed, but we'll see. See now when you first walked in here and you said, I'm glad to be here because I fell today. See, my mind immediately went to Sunday afternoon. I was actually dangling from the top of my two-story home trying to paint and I, I stepped off the ladder and I took one, it was, you know, I, I went at a 90 degree angle and stepped onto the roof and I'm thinking, boy, that was dumb because now I got to step back onto a ladder that could slide mm-hmm. oh. and no one was home. I was just kind of up there. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll be still sitting here when they come home. It'd be like Chevy Chase and the... Uh 
Christmas vacation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I love that. Exactly. I love how he, I mean, you can't, you can't see it. Well, but. what's, yeah, what's sad is that when I was up there, I'm literally thinking of that scene and I'm thinking, I wonder if, if these latches are good, I don't want to slide down. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said that you fell, I was just, I, you know, I had like a moment of sweaty any clamminess that was just, you know, un, unprecedented. But no, thank you that I, it was only a shower incident. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad it, it, it could have been much worse. So well, very thankful. Glad you're alive. Would you rather... I have a feeling he's going to hit us with like, would you rather fall in the tub or fall off a roof? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not really Bible based, but no, I, I've actually been driving around with my phone kind of on, uh, just kind of on ready. And as I think of these, I'm just kind of recording them. So we'll try a few of them today. Some of them are, you know, not so cool. Some of them are whatever. Uh, so I'm going to appeal to the manliness in uh, all of you today, uh, or the womanliness, I guess, or the manliness in the women. I don't know, however it works out. <laughs> the first one is this. Would you rather live, no, I'm sorry, try it again. Would you rather have the strength of Samson or the wisdom of King Solomon? Oh, there's no, no So it's about on brain, it's about brawn over brains, brains over brawn, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Both were pretty cool, though. There's, there's no, not even a pause for me. Go I, ahead. I take the wisdom of Solomon. Mm-hmm. 100%. So apparently you've read Proverbs. I have several <laughs> times. Um, right. Yeah. So essentially for those of you who, who are listening who don't know the story, um, God basically told Solomon, uh, because he was a descendant of David, ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He said, and, and most people would ask for riches or, or, some, or something for themselves, but instead, Solomon asked for wisdom so that he could lead his people well. And God gave it to him in abundance. And because he had asked for wisdom, which was a selfless request, because he intended it to use it for his people, God also blessed him with wealth beyond belief. He's actually the richest man in history. Mm -hmm. So knowing the outcome of the story, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick uh, Solomon every time. Well, not to mention that right there at the beginning of Proverbs, he's saying, choose wisdom over anything else. That's true. <laughs> it's better than rubies. It's better than diamonds, yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. I would choose wisdom too. I don't care about brawn. Yeah. You know, I. Brains I, over brawn. Yeah. Every time. I mean, I was lucky I wasn't born a teeny little toothpick. Um, and, but like, I never cared about working out. I, uh, would be, I was in sports in high school and we would all go to the gym and all the, my teammates were working out and I was just walking around talking to people. I didn't, <laughs> I had no interest in picking up a weight, none. <laughs> so, so now if you would have asked me this back in my high school days, I would have picked Samson big time, big time. Cause I was like, I did not want to get in fights. I did not want to get beat up. Uh, the long and the short of it is, you know, my mom told me, and she was a single parent, she said, if you ever get in trouble at school, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> if you ever get in a fight in school, I'm going to kill you. And so I was very fearful of being in a fight, and so I tried to avoid them. But if in a fight, I want to get in and get out quick, right? 
So I would have taken brawn in a heartbeat. In fact, when I went into the military, I actually did a ton of working out. Well, actually, that's not back up a little bit. I did a lot of ton of working out before I went into high school. Okay. And I actually achieved, believe it or not, this little stick frame that you see before you, before me. Now this was courts, Colonel Crawford high school in North Robinson, Ohio population, like 12. Okay. See, if you have a, a song when he says that you should play like banjo music. <laughs> <laughs> this is not deliverance, but yeah, I worked out and I became one of the bigger guys. I actually had the school record for the military press, the leg press and the bench press for my age in ninth grade, in ninth grade. And Pastor Rick's uh, message this weekend is going to be about pride. Everybody. It's about pride. Yeah. Well, if you saw me now, trust me, no pride there now at all. But, and now, you know, forward a, a bunch of years, let's just say, definitely wisdom. Don't care about that stuff anymore. In fact, if you're wise, you can get out of all the, yeah, you can get out of fighting anyway. It's never really an issue. Right. So yeah, wisdom hands down. However, I will uh, add this caveat. If you had asked me at the right point in time in my life, I would have also chosen brawn, but I would have done it for much different reason. When I was younger Do tell. and dealing with bullies, I would have loved to have had the strength of Samson to grab the jawbone and just go to town. Um, so. Whoop some caboose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. uh, I guess everybody here uh, has passed the spiritual test. We went for the wisdom. Good job, guys. Well, let's see what, what else we got here in our little bag of tricks. So would you rather attend the party that Matthew threw when he became a disciple Matthew party. You all know about the Matthew party, and that's where Jesus basically goes in and does a lot of uh, evangelizing mm-hmm. to a bunch of roughnecks. Or would you rather attend the gathering, and I don't know if it was a party, but the gathering where the blind man was brought down through the roof and healed? So on mm. one on one hand, you get to see Jesus do a miracle. And probably teach and do all kinds of things. Or on the other hand, you can probably witness Jesus do some evangelism. Could you run those through one more time? <laughs> Certainly. Would you rather be? Uh, would you rather attend the party that Matthew threw, the tax collector, right when he became a disciple? That was one of the first things he did. He invited a bunch of his cohorts over, which are probably you know some kind of shady characters. Shady characters, right? So that Jesus could meet them all. Or would you rather be a part of that gathering that was so full that they had to go up on the roof and bring that, uh, drop the blind guy down on the mat so that he could be healed? Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad they weren't all easy. The first one seemed to be really easy. All right, well, well, Rick, why don't you give us your answer since we're kind of wrestling with this? Well, I think I would definitely go to the Matthew party. Um, reason being, I would just like to see Jesus at work evangelistically. That would be really cool. And I think it would help me, you know, in just, you know, what God has called us all to do as Christians. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it's hard to know how to get into spiritual conversations with people. I would like to see the master at work. So, yeah, definitely. Obviously, I'd love to have been either place. Both would be preferred. But if I had to choose, I would I'd go to the Matthew party. Okay. go ahead, Jason. What's your answer? I think I would uh, like to see. I mean, when when they were with that gathering, um, that was an evangelistic moment before 
they brought the old man in through the roof. I, if I can remember correctly. Oh, there was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. he was teaching. And he was, he was teaching. teaching there in the village. Certainly, everybody started gathering around. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, so and then so you got to see him do his work, and then you got to see him heal. So I think I'm going to do that one. Sure. I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Right. Probably more roughnecks. I'm guessing at the one versus you know. I would. Uh, at Matthew's party. Yeah, at Matthew's party. He, he was kind of a straight edge. So. Well, he was he was more than a straight edge. He was he was a tax collector, so he was hated and feared by his own people. And even association with Matthew as a tax collector was something that kind of cast Jesus in a bad light, according to many of the people that that he was trying to witness to. Right. One of the reasons why they called him a drunk, a drunk and a glutton, mm-hmm. a drunkard and a glutton. There you go. It's because he would hang out with people that were not necessarily your the people you were supposed to hang out with. Oh, you mean... <laughs> <laughs> There's the buttons. There oh, they God. are. Rearing their ugly head. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that train of thought is derailed. <laughs> all right. Let me think. What was I saying? So, um, all right. So the roughneck. So, so Jesus is at this party because Matthew, after becoming a believer, brings all of his coworkers and friends. These are people that would have been just as hated, just as reviled, and potentially even more crooked than he was. Mm-hmm. And Christ had the opportunity to witness to them. Now, for me, my choice would be the would be the uh, the healing. And the reason why I would like that is, first off, I'd love to hear Jesus witnessing to non-believers. I think that would be fantastic to hear. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that party, the friendship required to do what those men did, to carry their friend and then to cut the roof open of a stranger's house. Mm-hmm. Feelings, thoughts everything, none of that matters, right? Right. Imagine someone cutting your roof off today and lowering somebody down because there's a speaker there. I mean, that's that's how it felt to them too. Right. You know, it, it, it would be just as weird today as it, as it was then, but we'd lose sight of that. But the friendship, you know, because it's going to take four guys at least for one man. To drop him down. Oh, to drop for sure. Down. Yeah. Right? Well, not to mention the fact that uh, they had, obviously they had faith. You're just getting ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> We were just teaching about this on uh, in, in Bible study on Wednesday recently. And the faith that, number one, this man had that kind of friend. Mm. There's a lot of people that have fair weather friends. And that is not a fair weather friend situation. But those four friends, not only did they, their friendship, they had enough faith to follow through on the ask. Mm-hmm. And that faith is what caused him to be healed. And that's something that is just... That kind of friendship, that kind of brotherhood and camaraderie is something I just, it appeals to me at a primal level. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's another reason. I think you just want to see the look on the house, on the person, the owner's face when the, you know, someone rips a hole in their roof. That yeah. would be a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one more. Here's a toughie now. Would you rather be sifted like Job or martyred like Stephen? Hmm. So mm-hmm. this is about suffering now. So mm-hmm. if you're going to suffer, do you want to suffer like Job uh, and get it back? Or do you want to suffer quickly and get into heaven. Uh, God's sight real quick? And he had that, you know, he has a vision of heaven. He, he saw Jesus at the very end, which is really cool. Yeah, you got another good one. Got another good one. Now, 
could you define sitta? Because all I can think of Sip. is flour, <laughs> sugar. It's kind of the same thing. It's basically, a similar theory. Basically, the, the whole story is that, uh, in a nutshell, is that Satan said, hey, sure, with everything going well, Job, you know, sure, he's going to follow you. But if something starts to go bad, I bet he's going to turn his back on you. So why don't you let me test that theory? God's like, okay. Do your worst. So he basically threw a lot of crud at Job. Uh, loss of family members, sickness, loss of finances, all kinds of issues. And Job went through it, all that testing. It was hard testing, very hard testing. And he made it through and did not turn his back on God. And so God basically, you know, ruined his business, him. killed his animals, killed yeah. several kids. It was bad, but uh, mm. he, but this is, uh, ladies, let this be one uh, be a lesson to you because Satan did not kill Job's wife. Okay, <laughs> that's a, that's that's right out of the book. Read it yourself. <laughs> well, that's Don't not going to cause the kind any of problems. Wife that would that's... be a problem that that would, on Job's situation when those kind of problems arise. That being said, it's the amount of suffering because the way I look at it is, do to me what you're going to do to me, but. W- Doing things to my family. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Right. I would much rather be Stephen and get stoned so that my family doesn't have to be hurt. Right. Certainly. Um, but man, the outcome for Job was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He got everything back. I think it was sevenfold. Yeah. It, so, you know, obviously some rewards on earth and, and just the, the he got knowledge. a little bit of spanking too, because he, he started yeah. to question God. Right. And that's, we're not supposed to do that. Well, you know, in his defense, he was going through quite a bit. He was. And most of us, you know, would have a difficult time as well. Right. But to be rewarded and just to know that, hey, I have pleased God. I've made it through and I didn't turn my back on him. Pretty cool. Yeah. And gentlemen, for those of you who have not read the story of Job, make sure you read it because Job has three really good friends in the story that turn out to be not so great of friends after all. So don't be that friend when... (laughs) When the uh, when tribulation comes for for somebody else, make sure you read those stories and know how those friends reacted because they all reacted poorly. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. So you're you're gonna pick Stephen. I'm picking Stephen. Plus, I mean, look at the reward. You know, Christ said, "If you stand for me, I'll stand for you in front of my Father." So mm-hmm. right then and there, he's standing. He's not backing down. And even though the the crowds and the Sanhedrin were stoning him to death. He, he looks up and as he's entering the, the pearly gates, he sees Christ standing in front of him, right? I mean, what a way to go. Mm, You're going to yeah. hear, well done, my good and faithful servant on that kind of an exit. For sure. Uh, that How being, about you, Jason? I mean, martyrism is pretty big stand. I mean, mm-hmm. willing to lose your life for the Lord in right. an instant. Just, I mean, it's something I would do today for sure. And going through all the trials of Job, would I would think it would be a lot more difficult than just bowing down and letting them whack your head off. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's yep. over and done with, yep. with the murder. However, I've always had a lot of perseverance. I've always been able to get through it, deal with tough situations with a head held high, right? You know, and a good attitude. So I think. I would like, and I, and I like to prove loyalty to people. I'm, I always show up. I'm always on time, usually. And um, <laughs> <laughs> unless something gets in my way. Um, 
and I never quit. Um, so I would like to, I think I would choose Job just to show God that no matter what you put in front of me, I will overcome it. Yeah, good answer. That's a good, I mean, there, there is no wrong answer to any of these, but, uh, this is a, yeah. And I, I actually came up with this earlier today and I still can't figure it out. I think with what I know now, I guess just where I'm at, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I I've been a church planter. I've gone through ups and downs in churches. I've gone through ups and downs with people. I like to think of myself as a person with, uh, you know, persistence and, you know, stick to itiveness. So, you know, I guess I would probably go the route of Job just simply because then I would be around to do whatever God wanted to do, you know, wanted. Obviously, when you martyr out, you're done. Then it's good for you. And I would certainly, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, if I can save my family, I'd be, you know, certainly be martyred. And that's true. But to be fair, Job, Job didn't know in advance. Job didn't know, yeah. right? So with that being said, I would probably just go ahead and be sifted and and just hang in there with God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Good stuff. So next on the list, news with Nate. So, uh, so as Christians, we basically live with what's called the Christian worldview. We believe that what Jesus said is true and anything else is not. Now, for those who do not believe in Christ, they see everything that we believe as part of our Christian worldview as malleable or able to be changed. Now, when you look at the foundation of America as a whole, going back to the dates of its founding, we were founded as a nation with Christian morals, uh, Judeo-Christian principles. It was taught in the schools, and it, it became the foundation of our law. Mm-hmm. Now, it was only after uh, several hundred years that that started to get whittled away at slowly, piece by piece. And one of the more egregious cases of uh, that's kind of become codified in law is the idea of Roe v. Wade, or the, the abortion case. One of the reasons why the media and and those who are not Christians hated our previous president was because he stood up against the ideas and the principles behind the Roe v. Wade case. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons a lot of people voted for the last president was because of his appointment of Supreme Court justices. I was one of those voters. One thing that if you've ever been involved in politics that you get really used to is the amount of disappointment and letdown that you can experience from a politician because they will promise you the moon and then they won't deliver. Right. That wasn't the case when it came to Supreme Court justices for the previous president. And that may very well be what can cause us to eventually overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, we just had a new case picked up by the Supreme Court. Now, to make sure you understand how this works... The Supreme Court justices, there have to be at least four of them that agree to take a case. They will typically only agree to take a case when there is grounds for the case to be overturned or if they want to support certain information. Now, they are extremely limiting, uh, limiting the, the details of this case 
But essentially, uh, we are now going to face the, the most significant abortion case in more than a decade. And it has the potential, although I doubt it will, it has the potential of completely dismantling the Roe case from 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide. So in 2018, there was a Mississippi law that prohibited abortion after the 15th week of a woman's term. The law includes exceptions for medical emergencies and fetal abnormality. And the justices, in order, as part of the process of taking this case, they said they would limit the scope of the case to one question. Are all laws restricting pre-viability abortions unconstitutional? Now, I want to take a moment there and bring it back to Christ. Because there's something uh, that's called the Imago Deo. If you do not know what that is, go scold your pastor. Because the, the image of God is what every man and woman and child is made out of. All right, we all hold this little spark of divinity uh, that, that is a reflection of who God is. That's why life is so valuable. And that's why, as Christians, we stand against the idea of abortion, because kids shouldn't just be thrown away because of, because of uh, circumstances or because they are a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Because they are a, um, a hindrance to their parents' plans. Now, those who stand for abortion will say, well, what about the cases of rape and incest? Well, the reality is less than 1% of all abortions are because of rape or incest. Mm -hmm. Okay. As a Christian, I'm a, an abolitionist. Get rid of all of it. But if I have to accept that 1% in order to get rid of the 99, I'll accept the 1%. And there is the possibility that it may go in that direction because even if the Supreme Court doesn't overturn Roe v. Wade completely, and instead all they do is they allow certain restrictions on it, those restrictions will then open the doors for the states to be able to start introducing new forms of restrictions that are further and further limit the ability to have an abortion. So this is a uh, very, very good news, and because of the fact that the previous president appointed who he did to the Supreme Court, we stand a very good chance of seeing a positive outcome as mm -hmm. Christians to this, which is a, a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's good news. Because if our country is following God's rules, we put ourselves in a position to be blessed. Mm -hmm. when, we, right. when we walk away from God and we turn, turn from him and kick him out of our schools, we put ourselves out of position to be blessed. And we, our nation... 100% was founded on these Judeo-Christian principles. I could go into an entire topic on that alone. But the, uh, the good news is there's at least a, a light on the horizon. Now, it'll probably take about two years to get through. And based on that, I, I can tell you that, the, that those who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum, they are doing everything they can in an attempt to stack the court, the Supreme Court, in order to take away the legally appointed justices that are currently there because they know that this abortion case is, is potentially coming up. Now, one thing I want to say to fellow believers is to help you understand those who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum here. If you are not a Christ follower... Abortion is one of the sacraments of your faith because if life can be discarded at any point in time, which our culture fully supports, 
even though as Christians we stand against that. If you start to erode to that, it starts leading down the path of recognizing that there is truth, there is what's right, there is what's wrong, and that's a conversation that those on the other side of the political spectrum don't want to have. So please pray for your Supreme Court. Please pray for your country. And please pray for... uh, Pray for our president that he will become the man that he's supposed to be. Yep. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. A good reminder. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to pray for our leaders. Doesn't matter what side they're on. Doesn't matter if you agree with them or not. The fact is, is God can still bring them around and prayer does change things. So yeah, let's lift these guys up, gals, and that uh, God's will will prevail. Good stuff. For sure. Thank you, Nathan. I do have uh, one other thing I kind of want to add, but it might take me a minute to look it up. There is a certain voice, uh, Psalm 109.8, okay? If you can't pray for anything positive for the president, you can at least pray Psalm 109.8. I don't have that memorized. Can you share it? <laughs> let his days be few and let another take his office. <laughs> <laughs> Button man. <laughs> there we go. Let's take a short break, and then we'll be back with our topic of the day, which is salvation. Are you once saved, always saved? Thanks for listening to For the Love of God podcast. Please take a moment to hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you haven't done so yet, please drop a rating and comment. It greatly helps to grow through the show. If you want to support the show, you can do so by going to fortheloveofgodpodcast.com slash donate to make a monthly or a one-time donation. It's very appreciated and helps us continue to bring quality content each week. Now back to the show. Well, once a person trusts Christ as their Savior, can they lose their salvation? Is it possible for someone to fall from grace? The issue is simple. The salvation that Jesus Christ offers either conditional or unconditional. If it's unconditional, then there is nothing we can do to lose it. If it's conditional, then there is something or some things that we can do to lose it. What does scripture say? Jesus said those who believe in him will never perish. And John 10, 27 through 28 My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Well, you've opened up a big can of worms, haven't you? Yeah. It's been a a very heated discussion between theologians for many, many years and between churches and between church members and between people who aren't even Christians. Yeah. So, yeah, Which, very meaty. So many things that's up for debate, but if you just read the scripture, it tells you the answers. I mean, it's pretty black and white and pretty simple. Well, you just described a problem that humanity's had since the, the inception of scripture. We want to do what we want to do. Rules and teachings be darned, right? Mm-hmm. We're selfish creatures. And that's something where we we don't want to believe that we can't be taken away. We want to believe we want to do what we want to do because it's my choice, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole, uh, the, the, it is a very big debate in the church. I mean, for instance, if, if can you give a gift back? 
<laughs> yeah, there's, uh, I've heard this from so many angles. In fact, I'll tell you when I was younger, it, it, it really bothered me because I was, you know, I'd heard both sides of the coin. I grew up in a Baptist church where they said, Hey, once you're saved, it's, it's it. You, you can, you can do whatever you want to do and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to hell. On the other side, I had friends who went to churches that did teach that you could lose salvation and they walked around like, you know, in fear and terror that, Oh man. In fact, I had a guy one day came up to me and he said, man, he, he was on the worship team. He played drums. He was, his, his family, all of his kids went to Christian school. He, uh, you know, he gave his life to ministry. It was incredible how much this guy loved the Lord and it just, he oozed Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was truly a representative ambassador of Christ and he would come in and talk to me and say, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I think I messed it up this week. And I'm, I'm just thinking how sad that is. So, you know, after seeing both sides of the coin, I spent a lot of time studying this and back and forth and back and forth and dug into scriptures. And I, I have come to the conclusion after many years of digging into scripture that it, it's definitely, it seems to be very clear to me in the word of God that once a person does truly cross the line of salvation, that they're there. And that there's no way to, to get out of it. There's no, you know, I mean, not get out of it. There's no way nobody's going to be able to pluck you out. No, you're not going to lose your salvation. And there's so, I mean, this is like a discussion that we could have for a very long time. So I don't know how we're going to do it in a single podcast, but the, the hump we got to get over is what about all those people who seem to be genuine Christ followers and then they just fall off the map. That's right. They That's just kind of go the other direction. What about those people? If only Christ had said something about those people. <laughs> hmm. Oh, look at this. I've got my Bible open to Matthew 13. Well, he's getting ahead of me now. Finally. <laughs> Take it away, sir. So uh, w- this is called the parable of the sower. And uh, for those of us that, who, who are in Bible study, you might have to hear this twice because we're going to cover this uh, within the next week or two. So you might hear it on the podcast as well. But essentially, uh, it starts with this. We're, we're going to start with uh, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gra- gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Hint, the farmer's Christ. As he was scattering his, the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, that when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. As in when he says you here, he's talking to the disciples, which each and every one of us are, but not to them. The people who originally heard this, this parable, they were not believers. They were not seeking for the right purpose. So starting again at verse 12, it says, whoever has will be given more. That's the secrets of Christ. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. That's typically possessions. 
This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand, which is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Mm -hmm. And that is why we know that once you're saved, you're saved. Right. And that is where the confusion comes in because people that aren't saved do not hear and do not see because they don't understand that once you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't want to sin. You don't want to deliberately sin. I mean, you're going to fall. You're going to sin, but you're not intending on it. You're not purposely going out and sinning. You're not purposely going out and saying, I would be very careful with the idea of that you're not going to want to sin. I will say that you're you're going to be at war with your own sinful nature. Because there will be times when even Christians are tempted to do something that they know is wrong. And it's not a Christian will not be able to do that without conscience and and it's going to eat them alive. Right, but there's a difference between having an internal battle and setting yourself out to sin. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, you're not going to go out with the intent. Like I'm just going to go ahead and sin on everything I want right. to do because I'm saved anyway. Right. A, a person that's truly saved and has the Holy spirit. Isn't going to say Friday night, I'm going out I'm getting drunk. I'm going to get laid. I'm going to do all this stuff. That's not going to happen. That's correct. What you're talking about is fruit. When you become a Christian, there is. So let's, let's start by saying this. Our faith is a grace based faith. That means his grace cannot be earned. Your salvation is in grace alone through faith alone. And you cannot do anything to earn salvation. The Bible even tells us that even our best works are nothing but filthy rags as it compares to him. So if you are a believer and you really understand it and you're living it out, there's going to be evidence in your walk. You're going to see changes it may start as subtle, but God will call you deeper as he sanctifies you. And you're going to find yourself not wanting to do these things because you know you're going to damage your relationship with your, with your Savior. It's going to be hard to have your prayers heard. You're not going to want to draw closer to him if you're in sin. Mm-hmm. And while it's possible that Christians can sin, they certainly shouldn't, but, it, they, but they can. If you're a believer and it's real, there's going to be a heavy price you pay for that sin in the form of your relationship with God. It's going to damage your walk. And that's something where for those people who, who like Rick mentioned earlier, they start off really, really well, right? They, they, they walk the walk, they talk the talk, but then suddenly, and we see this a lot with anybody related to like Christian music or Christian actors or blah, 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 blah. They will stand up and then they will start to waffle on what they believe in. Or they will, they'll take a position of like, I'm not going to be in the middle of this conflict. Or, or they won't take the, 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 the position that Christ wants them to. Mm-hmm. If you are a fr- friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's not a good position to be in. And when you look at these people who start in the church and then fall away, they were never saved to begin with. Because if you were saved, you cannot be snatched from his hand. That's that verse you read earlier. Right. But there are, however, going to be those. And I'll read this part again, and you'll understand it a little bit better. Where it says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, 
and they withered because they had no root. Those are your people who walk away from the church. It kind of reminds me of 1 John uh, chapter 2 in uh, verse 19. They're talking about people that left the church and walked away. And it says, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, they proved that they did not belong to us. And, you know, that's that's the truth right there. The fact is, is that people that leave, they leave because they never were Christians to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Now, I, I know it's tough because we've seen a lot of people who seem to be good people. And, and that's really, I think, where we get deceived because we can look like good people to the world and not really be Christ followers for sure. And Jesus warned us. He said, there's going to come a time when, you know, at the end of time that people are going to come before me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. So what about those people? You know, were they really saved? Well, I believe this. The Bible says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And and those who repent, believe, baptized, you know, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a seal or a mark, a guarantee that we are going to get what God promised. That Holy Spirit is not there just to be the guarantee. He is also our teacher and helper. In fact, the Bible says that none of us do good and please God without the Holy Spirit's help. None of us on our own do that. In fact, the Bible says that that the Holy Spirit, God in us, is giving us the power and the desire, actually I said it backwards, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I believe that once a person crosses the line of salvation, they're given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is to teach, to convict, to give us desire and the power to do what pleases him. So it kind of goes back to what you said, Jason. You know, they're not able to sin. Well, you know, I know Nate said, okay, well, yeah, they can sin. You're right. You're both right. You can sin, but you're not going to be able to do it very long without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give you the desire and the power. And so that leads us back to the, you know, that was from 1 John 2, 19. But if you go back to verse one in 1 John 2, he says, my dear children, I'm writing this so that you will, so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads on our pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, uh, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And then here's the key. And we can be sure that we know him. So now here's here's the this is the big one, right? How do we know we know God? How do we know we've truly crossed the line of salvation? Because that's the key, right? We got If we weren't saved in the first place, then, you know, that we weren't saved. So how do we know? He says, you can be sure that you know him if we, what? Obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So, then I know people ask the question, well, wait a minute, does that mean we have to earn our way to salvation, right? Because he says, if you obey, then you're saved. Well, we can't obey enough to be saved. But what, in fact, we don't, without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't even be obedient. 
So the fact that we are being obedient proves that the Holy Spirit is in us. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation. In fact, I I would go as far as to say this one verse kind of wrapped it up for me. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 says this, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And I really believe what it's saying there is, you know what? It's not possible. Because if it were possible, there would be no way back. So if you fell away from God, you know, we've heard people say, oh, he was backslidden, right? Mm -hmm. You can't get back. That's what Hebrews 6, 4 is telling me. Another problem that comes with that is, well, how do you tell the difference between the the believers and non-believers in church? Like, which ones are saved, which ones are not, right? Because you you never know. If you go to church, I mean... There's, if you're part of that, that group doesn't that doesn't see Christ as who they're following, they look at their church as, oh, that's where all the hypocrites are, right? Well, in that case, in case anybody that's listening thinks like that, well, why would you let a hypocrite be closer to God than you are? But I digress. But he, that idea is not necessarily far from the truth because churches are full, they're hospitals for broken people. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who, who ever wonder about this and wonder, oh, how can you tell the difference and, and who, who, who is and who isn't a believer? The answer is it's not our decision to make. Immediately following the parable of the sower is another lesser known parable called the parable of the weeds that re- relates directly to this. And I'm going to read it to you. Starting in verse 24 of chapter 13 of Matthew, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Yeah, I I think it's really important to know as a believer that we cannot earn our salvation. It is a gift. And if, 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 if God gives us a gift, it's something that can't be earned. And if it can't be earned, then we can't continue to earn it once we got it. You know, and it's not really a gift if he can take it back. So there's there's all that. So we should be have confidence and we should look for the fruit in our life. When we have when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce fruit in us, right? Joy, peace, patience, self-control, all those things. He mm-hmm. will also give us the desire to do things that please God, like make disciples and minister and use our spiritual gifts. He's gonna give us a spiritual gift. And there's another way. If you have a spiritual gift, you're saved because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, right? Right. So lots of things. I think those are all indicators, but I think that it's also wise for us to live kind of like the apostle Paul did. He said, I discipline my body. I beat it into submission. Basically I'm going to, this is Rick's amplified version. I beat my body into submission, train it to do what it should 
because I fear that if I don't, after teaching all of you that I myself might be disqualified from this race. So in other words, he said, you know what? I'm going to make sure I trust Jesus, but I'm going to do the right thing anyway and force myself to be disciplined, force myself. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling because then I'm, uh, I, I'm not going to play around. And I think that's wise because sometimes we don't know ourselves when we cross the line. How many people have you known that thought they were saved? You know, I, I in fact, I've told the story so many times. I feel recently, I feel like that maybe y'all have heard it, but you know, when I was a kid growing up in a Baptist church, I saw people that were on the board of elders. I mean, these guys are, are they were the spiritual leaders supposedly of the church. And after going to church for many years, they would have an experience and they would truly be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They would come down to the altar. They would weep. They would repent and their life would legit change. And you could tell there was a big difference between, you know, pre and post that experience. And so I really believe that sometimes we don't know. We can con ourselves into believing, ah, you know, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And I think it's wise to trust and have faith, but also don't just, you know, take it seriously, you know, force yourself to take it seriously and put those two together. I heard a, you know, wise man say it's best to, to work like it depends on you, but trust, if it's, you know, trust God and believe and have faith as if it all depends on him. And you marry those two and you're going to be in good shape. Right. So kind of bringing it full circle, one of the questions we asked earlier uh, in the what you rather was about Solomon. And although Solomon was very wise and he he walked with God for most of his life, his ending is actually a very tragic one. And he allowed the foreign gods of the women right. in his life to right. pull him away from God. So Apostle Paul's warning that he mentioned there about how he beats his body into submissions that he may not be disqualified after teaching others. Mm-hmm. That's a very important thing to keep in mind because if we ever get to the point in our faith where we feel like, all right, God's got it from here. I don't need to do any more work. I would question whether or not your faith is genuine. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And that's something that I would encourage each listener to consider. Are you doing what God wants you to do with your life or are you doing what you want to do with your life? And if you are in that boat where you are doing more of what you want to do and less of what God wants to do, you need to take, you need to take a moment you need to take a moment and recognize, all right, God, and maybe I'm being rebellious and, and repent. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, he is faithful and he is just and he is true. And he will hear that repentance cry and he Absolutely. will answer it. Absolutely. In our, in our day and age, it is just, it's so easy to be that type of person who believes that, you know, hey, Christianity's good. And I'll just sprinkle a little of it on my life and make it better. You know, and we, we, we enjoy inviting Jesus to come into our life and make our life better. But if you look at the life of Jesus, the, the ministry of Jesus, it is really obvious to me anyway, that Christianity is more of a, he invites us to come and join him in his work versus we invite him to come into our work. Right. And if you are focused on your work and not his work, I'm thinking there might be some changes that have to be made that you haven't quite stepped up to that, that line of surrender. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to lay down your selfish ambitions. 
In other words, all of your hopes, dreams, desires, everything you wanted out of life, you put those aside, you pick up your cross, which is a symbol of dying to yourself, and then you follow me, which simply put means let me be your Lord, let me be your leader. You do what I do. Do what I do, do what I did, do what I tell you to do, and we're, you know, all is good, capiche? (laughs) And if we get to that point of surrender, We're going to have the Holy Spirit in us. And then once the Spirit is in us, we're going to be confident because he's going to be constantly giving us input and helping us to do the right thing. And we're going to find that even when we're on cruise control, we're making good choices. So, Jason, I got a question for you. Have you ever compared yourself to other people in the faith? Um, Like, for instance, compare yourself to Billy Graham and you feel like, man, I'm really I'm really dropping the ball. (laughs) No, no. That's Mm-mm. something I've wrestled with in the past. Actually, that's a it's a good thing not to get into that because you know how how much do we how much how well do you know Billy Graham, Jason? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him very well at all. Well, I mean, I didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Yeah, the fact uh, is is that we only know what we hear. And I'm sure he was a great guy and great man, and obviously did some great work. But, had the fruit too, and had fruit. But at the same time, time it's not really. It's hard for me to compare. Uh, I think we're all individually on our own walk with the Lord mm-hmm. and we need to only look to ourselves, whether are we personally in a good place? Are we personally doing what we're called doing to do? Doing what we're called to do. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. So for anybody else out there that is worried about that aspect of your walk, like you feel like you're dropping the ball because you're just not living up to somebody else's standard that you're comparing yourself up against. I want to bring you back to that parable of the sower we started with. Verse 23, it says, but the seed falling on ground soil, or sorry, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. The next sentence says, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And if you think about the parable of the talents, this, this definitely relates. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be that 30 times person. Sure. Absolutely. You just don't want to be the zero. Time. You just don't want to be the zero <laughs> times person. Exactly. So, and there might be other people out there who do produce that crop a hundred times what they, what, what, what they were invested in. Right. That, that's who in my mind I picture as the Billy Grahams. Right. Right. But it's okay to be a 30 times. That is fair. That's, that's good. That's a good word. It just, it, the comparison game is just not good anyway, because we're always going to find somebody who's better. We're going to find somebody who's worse and we're all better and worse in different areas. You know, there's not, there's places where Jason, I'm sure that I've, you know, I'm way spiritual, more spiritual in one area than you are. And you know what? I'm guessing there's probably areas that you're more spiritual than I am. We start getting into that comparison game. We're really, you're playing into hurt. the hands of the enemy is what you're doing. Yeah. We're going to hurt ourselves. So it's, it's kind of like golf, golf. You just you just try to, you compare yourself to yourself. You're trying to beat yourself, improve your game. Yeah. And that's all we can do, man. Well, I mean, really it falls into envy. I wish yeah. I was worshiping the Lord as much as you. It's or, true. You know, and it's true. that's a sin within itself. You're right. You're right there. Um, and it, here's a couple of verses I just want to throw out there. Um, uh, this is about eternal life. And, and let me put this out there first. Uh, God is perfect. God does not lie, nor does he break his promises. And the Bible promises eternal life to all who believe in Christ. The most famous verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That's John 3.16. Another is the present possession of a believer. Those who believe in Jesus presently possess eternal life. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Uh, Salvation, therefore, is not something that is far off in the future. It is a present possession of the believer. Mm -hmm. Salvation is not looked upon as a day-to-day thing. We do not keep ourselves saved day after day. Scripture treats our salvation as something that is secure forever. Amen. Mm. Now, I I am going to throw out uh, just a whole monkey wrench into this whole works because, you know, I like to do that from time to time. Stir up the pot, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Nate said, you know, he was talking about not comparing ourselves to other people, knowing that you can be the 30 and all that. But I think at the same token, we are supposed to compare ourselves to Christ. In fact, Paul said, follow me or imitate me as I follow or imitate Jesus. And ultimately, that's that's who we should be comparing ourselves to and we should be emulating in every area of our life. If we are not emulating Jesus, we are probably not following him. So realize that it's it's even worse than trying to be a Billy Graham. We gotta try to be a Jesus. Now the good news is that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him and imperfection is much different than disobedience. Yes. So we, we're going to be imperfect. But I'm glad okay. you brought that up because I did not mean to in, in encourage people to to live down no, no. all their standards. Yeah, no, That's I, not what I was going for <laughs> at right. all. So, you should aspire for the higher gifts. You should aspire absolutely. to do more. And if you fall short, that's where grace comes in. You know, Do your best according to what God's calling you to do and leave the rest up to him. Right. We're, right. we're all even the best of us Christians is going to fall short of the grace of God. All of us. Every one of us. It's a tough thing. We, we're we really challenged to follow Christ, but we know that we're, you know, we're going to be that lesser person sometimes. We're going to be the greater person sometimes. It's just going to happen. But uh, I just want to just encourage our listeners to always be, shoot, you know, aspiring for Christ, aspiring to live like Christ. Many of us, I think we shoot ourselves in the foot and we say, oh, I could never be like Jesus, so I'm not even going to try. Wrong answer. Wrong. Survey uh, says. I got a button for that. Uh, well, so give me the button. I want to hear the button you say you've got for that. Come on now. Don't hold out on me. Okay, there we go. I thought he was experiencing button blur. There was just so much. I just can't find the button. So how do we, okay, how do we put, how do you be like Christ in our life here on earth? Okay, so we're not walking around in our robes and, 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 and going to villages and, so how do we, let's just give some examples of some situations where a person that is, how a person would handle it in his flesh and how a person would handle it with God in his mind. Oh, I mean, the sky is the limit there. There are so, so many options. You want to get, you narrow this down a little I'm bit? Gonna narrow, <laughs> I, I, that's where I'm heading. So, so a guy cuts you off and it ticks you off to no end and Road rage is a problem. All right, so my flesh wants to show in my driving finger. Right. So what would Jesus do? I forgive you. Jesus would let him ahead. Right? Go right ahead. Go right Whatever ahead. Whatever you're doing is way more important than what I'm pray doing. Pray for his peace and pray for his safety on the, the trip. Right. And also, uh, 
would, if talking to him afterwards, like, you know, maybe you might want to think about be careful not to cut people off. You know, <laughs> he'd say that because he said, go and sin no more. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, he would not be angry. He would be a turn the other cheek mm-hmm. and uh, he wouldn't let it ruin his day. That's for sure. Exactly. You got to let brush it off your shoulder. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I think there's so many scenarios. Boy, you could be here forever. All day. You know, we could certainly, you know, I, I remember when the What Would Jesus Do bands come out. I had one of those, and I was always asking, what would Jesus do in this scenario? What would Jesus do in this scenario? But when it really boils down to it, I think the primary thing is our focus. What, you know, if we are true Christ followers, our focus is going to be similar to Christ. And what was his focus? It was God. No matter how much he had gone on. He always wanted to hang out with God. He would even pray all night. Crazy. Number two, it's going to be on ministry. You know, he, he was constantly ministering to people, helping people. And ultimately it was on evangelism, outreach. He had a heart to grow the kingdom of God and to bring people into a saving knowledge of, of him. <laughs> and so, you know, if our focus is not those things, ah, I would be concerned. I would be concerned. It, early in my life, uh, when I thought that I had stepped across the line of salvation, I didn't have a heart. In fact, I used to make excuses. Well, that's just not my gift. Evangelism, you know, that's just not my thing, you know, or whatever. And disciple making, I'll let other people do that. But, you know, once I really got to know Jesus. And once I really had the Holy Spirit inside of me, it's like, I'm consumed with that. You know, I want to do what pleases God. And I know what pleases him is to do his work, to use my spiritual gifts, to reach people for Jesus, that sort of thing. It kind of goes back to Jesus's words. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added, you know? Right. That that is, if, if we are seeking, if we're worrying about all the stuff of earth, you know, what do I eat? What do I, where am I working? Blah, blah, blah. If that's our primary focus, I'm not so sure we're there. But if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, that's a pretty good sign mm-hmm. that, that you're following Christ mm-hmm. and that you've, you know, developed the mind of Christ. You're abiding in the vine of Christ. And all that's very, very right. But in, and to kind of close out this thought, if somebody ever asks you, what, what would Jesus do? Please understand that beating people with a whip and overturning tables <laughs> is completely within the realm of it possibility and righteous indignation. Of possibility. Yeah, Very I mean, much so. if you see a bunch of people <laughs> worshiping <laughs> Satan at their altar, it's all okay for you to go in and whip them and flip their table over. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? All right, I want to say this before we move on. If someone believes salvation can be lost, then there is a number of questions that must be asked. What sin or sins would cause me to lose it? How do I know if I've lost it? If I lose it, can I get it back? And do I have to be baptized again? What does the Bible mean when it promises eternal life for those who believe? How long is eternal life for? And finally, if a person can lose their salvation, then how can they explain what John wrote. 1 John 5.13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If a person can lose their salvation, then no one could know from moment to moment whether they're saved or not. Yet the Bible says that we can know. 
This is because once a person truly trusts God, Christ, as a savior, they cannot lose that salvation. Once a person trusts Christ as savior, they become his child forever because he saves and keeps us. Nothing shall separate us from his presence. Well said. And with that, it's time for Songs of the Week. <laughs> Is that the Song of the Week? Oh, that's the intro of the Song of the Week. <laughs> Groovy. Groovy, man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> You're just taking us to a wrong place right now. <laughs> For the love of God! <laughs> oh, my. Well, I guess I'll just jump right in there since I'm looking at my song right in the face here. Uh, this week, I have chosen to go a little different. Uh, I have gone into kind of the rock and roll realm a lot lately, and I'm going to kind of bring it back here and go into the realm of worship and I'm picking a song by Corey Asbury called The Father's House. Really been ministering to me recently. The whole, it just gives me a warm fuzzy about just being in church. I think maybe it's because I've been doing a couple weeks series on church and the importance of church and, and services and coming together. Uh, but he talks in the song, I, I'm just going to read you the, the first verse here and the chorus. He says, sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes what looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over. My story's just begun. Failure won't define me because that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me because that's what my father does. Oh, lay your burdens down. Oh, here in the father's house. Check your shame at the door because it ain't welcome anymore. Oh, you're in the father's house. There's just something about it. You know, I realize that we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you know, obviously God is with us all the time, but there is something special when you've been beat up all week, when you've got all these burdens and you're hard on yourself and you come into the Father's house and you experience his love in the presence of other believers who are merciful and forgiving and all that. Just, wow, that song speaks to me. And it's kind of old school, too. You got a little choir in the background, you know, and I'm not a big choir fan, but I'll tell you, it's, it comes together pretty awesome. So that's my pick of the week. Awesome. Nathan? So I've I've kind of gone to this band before. Uh, it's called 10th Avenue North. The song that, that's kind of been sticking with me is, Lord, I love so many things that keep me from your face. Uh well, Lord, won't you save me? The, the, the lyrics of this song are, they're really describing this walk with God where he's, he's wanting more of God, but there's so many distractions, mm. so many things that pull us away, so many things that we enjoy, so many things that we love that, that, pull, that keep me from his face. And it, it's, it's a feeling that I can, I can empathize with. It's, it's, and it just speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Who, who does the song again? 10th Avenue North. Oh, t oh yes, yeah. that's right. You did say it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Got lost there. He played it earlier. It's a good song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of a few weeks ago when I was when I brought up Free Me Up right. by, uh, down here. Kind of a similar theme. They're, they're saying, you know, hey, I've given this stuff up so I don't lose my focus. And, you know, but the reality is, is, hey, that stuff's always there taunting us. You want me, don't you? You want to focus on me, right? What you got for us, Jason? What's mm. your pick of the week? My pick is Oh Praise Him by the David Crowder Band. 
Oh, good. Song. Which is actually a song we're doing this week at church. Nice. Uh, the first verse: Turn your ear to heaven and hear the noise inside, the sound of angels' awe, the sound of angels' songs, and all this for a king. We could join and sing all to Christ the King. That's a good tune. If you get a chance, check out the DVD. He did that on the one of the Passion DVDs slash CDs. Check out the live version of it. The first time I heard it, it literally brought me to tears. I, I just felt like jumping up on a chair and worshiping God <laughs> to get closer to him, you know? Yeah. A little still afraid of that ladder, but the chair was okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tune. And I guess that's it for my song. I guess the uh, the actual full title of it is All the Pretty Things, the one that I brought up. I don't know that I said All the title. I think the, oh, I started singing some of the lyrics. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, you know, if you uh, didn't catch the name of that song, just uh, go to Spotify, go to 10th Avenue North, and good luck searching. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> but I'm ch- So, uh, Pastor's Thought of the Week. Pastor's thought of the week. Do we have music for this, or is this something that I gotta, you know, just kind of? Well, don't, don't let me down here, Jason. I'm thinking. Um, how about this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, as we uh, close up, I guess uh, getting pretty close here to our podcast closing. I want to kind of throw out just one quick thought. It comes out of Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. And it says simply this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This verse just seems to be God saying, You know what? I can do so much through you. I can do so much for you. I can do so much, period, And it's more than you would even dare to dream about, think about, or even ask. And it's almost like he's daring us. Like, I dare you to start having a little more faith. I dare you to start having a little bigger prayers. I dare you to start expecting me to do more in your life. You know, I think we just limit ourselves so much. We limit what God can do. I mean, face it. How many times did Jesus say it is according to your faith? It will be done. And I, I guess I just want to kind of challenge our listeners today to think, how, how are you limiting what God can do in your life because of your lack of belief? Oh, I could never do that. I don't have the talent. Or he would never do that th- through me because I'm imperfect. Or, you know, fill in the blank there. What could God do? What will he do if you just dare to ask him and dare to trust him? and dare to realize that it's not you that's going to do it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same. And the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us and for us who believe in him. So dare to dream this week. That's what I'm asking you to do. Dare to dream and just see what happens. Y'all gonna hate me. <laughs> what was that? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Thank you so much. That was beautiful. I think it went pretty well with all the new buttons. I like the buttons. 
We can tell. <laughs> and he actually, you know, I think it was, a, I, I think it's a display that he has the Holy Spirit inside of him because he really showed some self-discipline there. He did. He didn't go as crazy with it as we feared. I, I thought that it was going to be just a one button after the other, but you know, I, I sense that, that, that I sense the presence of God. Uh, less is some self-restraint. Less, less is more, gentlemen. Less, less is, is more. more. Less is more. Very nice. Folks, that's the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us. For another episode, please, if you haven't subscribed or followed or whatever that button is on whatever device you're listening on, please do so you don't miss an episode. Always come up with new exciting stuff and new knowledge and new songs and new games. And, and new then, buttons. And new buttons. <laughs> yes. Um, so I appreciate you all more than you know. And with that, we are saying goodnight. Say goodnight, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, everybody.